All right, how's everybody doing today? Everybody good? A little hot, a little hot, a little hot. Um, yeah, I mean, I, welcome this morning. I just want to let you know uh, that I just we're so excited that you're here uh, with us this morning. If it's your first time in this church, uh, welcome. Uh, we're what, everything we do in this place is is designed and um, is is molded around getting people to a growing relationship with Jesus. Here for the first time this morning, we're. Uh, we're just we're just happy that you're here, and we're just really excited that you've decided to join us and to worship, and um, it's just really cool. And every week, just to kind of give you a preface, I, I tell everybody every week um, that that God is just doing incredible things in the life of this church, and the people that have have come through the doors, the people that have been uh, just have been searching for 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 what God was wanting to do in their life, searching for the purpose and the and the will for from God in their life, and and we're seeing people being moved into action, and people being uh, taking next steps in their faith. Last week we had two people before I even had a chance to share the word come to Jesus. Last night somebody came to Jesus in someone's home. It's just such a move of God in this place, and it's so cool to watch. And you know, and I tell everybody every single week, every week, week after week, if you're looking for some smart pastor to follow, you're at the wrong church. So all I know to do. All I know to do when it comes to following Jesus is to read the Bible and do what it says and to teach what it says so that that's what I'm passionate about doing. I love reading scripture and I love hearing the word of God and I love putting it into action. I love seeing the church consuming it. I love it. Even the sermons and we preach here are things that, that usually God is, is taking me or, or one of our connect group leaders or our congregation through. And, and what this has taught me is that we're, we're all not that different when it comes to life. No matter what color, no matter what job, no matter what, where we're at in life, we are all not that much different. We're all in a place of need, whether that's a place where we need salvation, or we need encouragement, or whatever it may look like, but whether that's good or bad, and that's what I love about the church, we're a body of people coming together to worship Jesus, coming together to follow Jesus the way that we read about it in Scripture, and we're carrying each other along, because that's what we're meant to do, we're meant to reach down, help someone up, and then reach up, and someone help us up, and we're just going down the line, we're helping one another along, pushing one another towards Jesus, and that's what the church looks like, that's the point of the church. And so I don't know about you, but I, I want to experience what I read in Scripture, right? When I read Scripture, I don't want it just to be, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's, not, I, I, that's neat. I'm encouraged by that. Hallelujah. Let's put it on Facebook, whatever. No, I, I want to experience what they experienced in Acts. I want to experience what Paul and Timothy experienced. I want to experience life in the gospel, coming alive in our hearts and, our, in, in, and seeing generations reach for the gospel. And, there, and this is the awesome, awesome part about this. And if you're overlooking it, I'm sorry, but it's happening, man. It, we're witnessing things happen in this place that I can't explain to you. People say, you know, man, y'all are doing some great things. I'm like, bro, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of following the Lord and doing what it says. And, I, and I'm just kind of winging it here. God's just moving. And so don't overlook that or turn a blind eye to what's happening in this place. And, and last week I told you about the, the, the young lady that came here and, and prayed for salvation and then there was another gentleman that, that said, hey, I need Jesus. And then this past week, it's just so many cool things, people like you and you're seeing moving. All throughout Scripture, we see God. To, he, he, uses, he wants to use people like you in your seats to carry out the mission of God and his plans and his purposes on earth. And how cool would it be if, if he used you? Individually, every single person. How awesome would it be if he used you for the purposes that he created you for at the beginning of your life? That's what, that's what I want to see. How cool would it be if he used us as a church to see this community change forever, for this generation to be completely changed? That's what the Bible promises, If we would follow Jesus. And all throughout Scripture, we see it. 
What if he used this to cut out the crime in this city because we're living out the gospel in such an effective way that we saw crime go down because the love of Jesus was shining light in communities that never, they've never been to before? What, the, the same thing. What, what if he used us to bring the gospel to an unreached group across the globe that we don't even know about yet that needed to hear the gospel and the love of Jesus and to see them come to know the Lord before our time's up on this earth? That's awesome, man. What if we took Jesus at his word and believed him enough to say yes and actually go, not just talk about it anymore? What would it look like? What, what would we see in our day? I can give you a glimpse of it if you want to, but not for, not, it's not for right now, but my wife and I moving here, I, the things we've seen just because of some steps of obedience that we were taking, we've seen incredible things. We've seen God move as far as it goes. Guidelines looking in today. If you say, oh, I'm a Christian, but that's about it. That's about as far as it goes. Get in the game this morning. Stop looking in. Like, get into the game. Stop playing games with your faith. Just stop. Because what I want to tell you is, is actually a question is, why are you here this morning? Is it to hear from God? Or is it to feel better about your, your week? Like, why are you here this morning? What are you after here this morning? What are you looking for? What's the point? You know, I want you to start evaluating yourself this morning as you're sitting in your seat. Like, I've been doing this all week long, just evaluating yourself. Like, what's, what is my view of God like? What, how do I see God? What is, my, what is my view of God like? Is it big? Is it small? Where, where am I at? And then there's a few different types of people in here this morning when it comes to their view of God. One, one person is, it has an accurate view. There's, a, there's an awe and a wonder. They see a sunset or a child being born, or they see the mountain ranges or the oceans, and they're like, Oh my gosh, man, God is so huge, and he loves me. The, the gospel, man, I'm amazed that Jesus came and died for me. What? I don't understand, man. What? Wow. And then you had the person that's indifferent. They don't care. They hear the gospel, whatever. I don't, I don't care. As long as I get to eat tonight and have a place over my head, uh, roof over my head, I'm good. And then you have a religious person, the religious view. They know all the facts. They can quote every story, every verse, every experience, and, and apply the things that they actually claim to believe. They just walk through the motions. And so my, this morning, I hope that we have an accurate view of God. And, and what, I've, what I've seen is we've started reading the 412 reading plan through Hebrews this past week. And as God's been working in my heart lately, the conclusions that I've reached in my own life is my view of God is too small. And I feel like we'll always be at that point. It's too small. It's still too small. It's still too small. Right? I don't think we'll ever get to the point where I finally see God for all he is. Right? I don't think we'll ever get there until we see him face to face. And what, which the, the, the way that I'm living is affected by my view of God, the way that I make disciples, the way that I go and reach the nations. The reason people don't go deep, like it or not, with God and experience the things God has for them is because it's safe to follow at a distance. Am I right? It's safe to follow God at a distance because it's, it's not dangerous till you get up close. It's kind of like the sun. I love the sun far away. It gives me a tan. It makes me feel warm in the winter. Get too close, I'm toast, right? It's the same thing. And people in the church have cared way more about being safe and about going to heaven than getting Jesus, right? People in the church has preached for a long time, this is how you get to heaven, this is how you get to heaven, which is great. But if you're looking to get to heaven without Jesus, you're in for a rude awakening. And this is not smart. Like, the, the goal is to get Jesus because he is a, the author of life. He is the one who died for your sins. He's the one that loves you and gave himself for you. He is the one that is, that is, is Jesus is who you're after. We've Jesus. Heaven is just ice on the cake. 
Jesus is who you're after. We've limited God to a service on a Sunday, but when we stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I correct myself, when we're on our faces before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and we're seeing his majesty and his power in the worlds he's made and the stars he's put in motion, we stand in awe. We don't, we're not bored with that. If you're bored with that, there's something missing. Because the day you see him face to face, I promise you, you won't be bored. You'll either be, you'll be crying with joy or crying in fear. Okay? That's what I'm saying this morning. Because, like, let me tell you, even the smallest things, when I look at my daughter or my son's face, man, I get caught up in the wonder of God, man. It's awesome. I take them to their babysitter's house every week as I'm going to, as I'm going to work. And I'll just stop and look, and they'll just smile at me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, that's so amazing. It's amazing. Now, when I think about and I look at them, they smile, like, or they cry, or they interact. I'm amazed to think, like, this is how God looks at me. You know, this is how God looks at me. He just wants to know me. And for, and for me to take off, the, the, take off the, 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 the clothes of my heart and just, and just to be intimate with him and let him see me and be known by him and be known by me. He just wants to, to, he wants me to understand how much he loves me and just to bask in that. He's tired of me just trying because I'll never reach perfection. I'm supposed to depend on Jesus. So when was the last time that you guys in here have just sat in awe and reverence of who God is and what he's done through Jesus and the gospel? When is the last time you stopped and said, wow, man, there's something more that I need to be living for than what I'm seeing? And let's just be real for a second this morning, and let's just admit it for what it is. The real problem with all of this is submission. Like We like God that's controllable. We like a God that we can control. We like emotions that we can control. If, if, if Kevin comes up here and plays the, the piano up here and he has the right setting on it, man, we can bring the Holy Spirit in here, boy. It feels good. It feels great in here, man. It just feels awesome. The music, emotions. Listen, that's not what it's about, man. Like submitting our life to Christ is saying yes to Jesus and then asking him what he wants. And as we jump into this third week, you know, welcome to church. You know, this, is, this is where I want us to start. This is where I want us to start because, man, the greatest, the greatest tactic of the enemy and his desire for your life is for you to become so distracted and so desensitized and so despondent to God. That's what he wants. He wants to take you out of the game and for you to look at the gospel and become uninterested. How, what, how, how much of a tragedy would that be if you were to look to Jesus, his, 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 his sacrifice on the cross, and be uninterested in that? Hebrews says there's nothing left to account for your sin. Proud the gospel. Maybe there's Listen, he wants those things to come in and crowd, it, crowd you out, crowd the gospel. Maybe they're good things. Maybe they're bad things. I don't know. But one thing I know is that the enemy's, enemy's greatest tactic is, is to distract you and then destroy your life. One of the most heartbreaking things that I know about this congregation right now is some of you in here have been called to some pretty incredible things. I know for a fact, because I've seen it in your life, I've seen God pull out gifts in your life, but you've never taken a step of faith because you can't get a clear picture of who God is or what he's done because we're so focused on the wrong things in life. And I'm talking to myself too. Some of you are so gifted and talented and have these huge callings on your life to impact the planet for Christ in such an amazing way, but you've settled for some cheap imitation of what it looks like that ends at your death. My question this morning is, will you wake up and see what's happening? Will you at least, please, at least attempt to open your eyes this morning? Will you attempt to and look at him, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who's come and died and rose again for our sins so that we can live a life 
on mission, spreading his glory to the nations. That's what it's about. So I want to pray for us this morning, and I want to jump right in. So, Father God, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray this morning that you would be uh, lifted high in this place, God, that your name would be glorious right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the person in bondage to sin. I pray that you would just squash the bondages and the chains, Father, in Jesus' name. God, I pray for someone who came to church this morning not expecting anything to have a radical encounter with the great I am, Father. I pray this morning that you would just come and filtrate the words of this message, the words of Scripture, and that you would do what only you can do, Father, and he would save a heart this morning. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right. So over the last three weeks, we've been talking about distractions. Who got distractions in there? Everybody? Everybody got distractions. We all, we already, if you don't have distractions, then this is probably not the right place. We all got distractions in this place, you know. But they, they keep us from living on mission. You know, we've walked through scenarios we find ourselves in, our cell phones, our jobs, you know, all this different kind of stuff, and how our culture is working overtime to pull us into a, a thousand different directions. It's impossible to drink water while you're talking. So literally, everywhere around us, there's potential to distract us from God's plan for, for our life and what he wants us to do. And last week, we talked about three main areas in our life that, um, you know, that distract us most and they, that as we try to pursue God. The first one we talked about was religion. Religion tries to distract us from a real relationship with Jesus. We talked about good things. There are good things that aren't God things. Can we agree with that? There are good things in your life that are distractions that aren't God things. And then thirdly, we talked about sin. There's people in this room, there's people on this stage that deal with sin. Right? We all deal with sin. So today I want to talk for a little while about how to live without distraction. And I realize that 90% of you guys will probably hear this and just walk out and be distracted immediately as you walk out the door. But listen, this is, I, I studied this week and I got distracted a lot with different things. And, but yesterday as I was studying some more, God just poured his spirit out in this, in this, in this moments where I was trying to study through what he wanted me to speak. And so I really believe this is, this is from him. I really do. And so um, the, where we're going to start out today is Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. If you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, I'm not a fan of the phone Bibles, but you can use the phone. Not my, not my phone. Do whatever you want to with it. Um, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And if you don't have any of those things, we have a TV you can look at. How about that? It says this. Says then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That does not make any sense to some of you, but we can talk about that later. Okay, the devil was let was was allowed by God to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. After fasting for forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, "If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread." Jesus answered, "It is written, man shall not live on bread alone." Deuteronomy eight but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up, up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put your Lord, your God, to your test. Again, the devil took him to the high, very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. And I love how I read through this, and each and every verse that I read pointed back to 1 John chapter 2 that we read last week, verses 15 and 16, where it talked about looking away from the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
And, look, and Satan is not a, he's not a, he doesn't have many new strategies when it comes to tempting us. And you look how he tempted Jesus. Tell these stones to become bread. That's the lust of the flesh. Feed yourself. You're hungry, bro. Feed yourself. Look what he said next. Throw yourself down and the angels will rescue you. The pride of life. Because what would that have done? It has shown everybody, I'm God. You better leave me alone. Like, look, the pride of life. Show them who you are. Show them who you are, Jesus. You're the king of kings. Show them. The next thing he said, all this I would give you if you bow down and worship me. What is that? The lust of the eyes. Look at all the stuff I could have, man. Look at the, the kingdoms that I could rule. Is It shows me how and the, all the possessions that I could gain. And what this does is it shows me how we're supposed to face distractions. Because Satan is trying to distract you with things that are ungodly in your life. And he's also trying to distract you with good things that in the end will destroy you. And the first thing I know in the battle against our distractions is we have to, I started off this point with know the word. But I scratched out no. Because I think we should know and live the word. Because so many times we know the word, but we don't live it. Like, I know the word. I know, I know some things, but like know and live the word. To know and live the word. And let me tell you this morning, if, you're, if you aren't grounded in the word all throughout this congregation, if you're not grounded in the word, life as a follower of Jesus is going to be super hard for you. Super hard. And I don't mean you read Jesus Calling every morning and you read your, your, your every man's devotional. And I'm not saying, I'm saying grounded in the word. Like you know scripture. And when times of testing comes, when distractions happen, if you aren't grounded in the word, guys, you're in danger. There are no half measures when it comes to your faith. There are no half measures when it says, I'm a Jesus follower. And some of you guys are like, good gosh, this, this is way too much. This is scripture, guys. If anybody's teaching you anything other than this, it's, it's false. It's a half truth. There's no half measures. Too many Christians, maybe in this room, maybe definitely in this world, too many Christians who are, um, some pastors, highlight real scriptures, but no, there's no in-depth teaching a lot. And so it's important, guys, that, that we understand that you don't need to take my word for what scripture says. If I bring a word or if I bring some scripture to you guys, don't just be like, oh, that's a good word, yeah, go home. Go look at it. See if I know what I'm talking about. If, listen, I want to be at a church where if I share a scripture and I have something wrong, I have people in the audience that know well, me well enough and love me enough to come and say, hey, man, I don't think this was right. And let's talk about it. That's the kind of church that we have to be. And I don't see anywhere in scripture, guys, look, I don't see anywhere. I looked all week and I've looked before where someone who associates with Jesus doesn't also have a really strong love for his word. And People, think about Jesus himself in Scripture. People flocked to him. They, they, they came from countries away to, to, to hear him speak because they knew he held the words of life and he spoke something different. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you say, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a Christian, and, you're, and you aren't memorizing Scripture, my question to you this morning is why? That's, hard, that's a hard question because I struggle with that too. But why are we memorizing Scripture? Why aren't we getting in our heart? Does that make sense? Like David talks about it. He says he stores up, he stores up his word in his heart so that he won't sin against God. Store it up. If you aren't consuming scripture every chance you can, you're in danger. And if, if we have a many that's that's literally trying to destroy any of us in this room, and we do, if we have an enemy that's that's literally trying to destroy us, what it says in John 10 10, and we do, why are we not consuming the word of God more? For, for no other reason than to use it in the fight. Because the fight is going to happen if you're going to follow Jesus. It says in 1 Peter, if you want proof, I mean, I'll tell you this, 
This morning, if you want proof, I'm a guy who likes proof, application proof. If you want proof of spiritual warfare in your life, look no further than your struggle to find time and motivation to get in the Word. It looks kind of, it looks kind of like in the, it doesn't look that big of a deal, but look how far it pulls you away as you grow older. That's, that's a very covert warfare on your life. Distract, destroy, distract, destroy. But don't let them know what you're doing. Destroy, destroy. If I were the enemy and I wanted to take out a whole entire generation of believers, take them out of the game, I'd try to remove them from the source of which God speaks to most people. And that's scripture. That's what I would do. And that's what he's done in this, in this life. That's what he's done in the churches. And I want to be a church that turns that ship around. And I want to be a church that knows the word of God. And I want to be a church that puts the word of God into action. I want to see a church that puts it into action to the community and the world. And if we're not that way, I want to quit because I don't want to do it. And so the second thing, the second thing, the second way to be, uh, I don't think it's the word, but indistractable. The second thing, the second way to do it is, is throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. The writer of Hebrews talks about it. Throw off everything that hinders and throw off the sin that so easily entangles. That's Hebrews 12. You want to turn there really quick. Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, after, after the writer goes through and says, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, Moses, Abraham, David, all down the line of by faith how they followed, followed God and how they longed for the day of Christ and how they did all those things. And so basically this chapter is looking back, chapter 12 is looking back at verse chapter 11 and saying, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who have gone before us, who have lived this life before us, who have walked this line before us, who have done the things we've done, faced the things we face, it says they've been sown in two, they've been put in prison, they've been persecuted for their faith. Since we've done that, since we've seen that great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on where? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppositions from sinners so that you would not grow weary from, from reading. And he's not talking about growing weary from going to your job. He's not talking about growing weary from, from reading your Bible too much or praying too much or going to connect group too much because you ain't got enough time. He ain't talking about not being able to pray because you don't have time because you have kids. He's talking about not growing weary because people were trying to kill him. Don't grow weary from persecution. Don't grow weary and lose heart because the end is coming. Jesus will come again. And all through Scripture, I see sin is described as a distraction or a weight that holds back runners. Um, we see this imagery all throughout Scripture. Sin is basically pictured as something that might entangle a, a runner's feet, might hold him back. And these early Christians, they were in, in Hebrews chapter 12, they were literally decades removed from Jesus' life. They were, I mean, decades away. I mean, not too long ago. This would have been like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Like, it, this is not that long from then. And they had already been being held back by sin. And now, listen, I'll, I'll be honest, and you can probably tell, I hate running. I hate I hate running. The only, thing, the only thing I'm thinking about when I run is stopping, right? And if, and if I'm running, you better run too because somebody's either chasing me or there's a bear or something. You need to run the other way as well. But if I'm running, pick me up because I don't want to be there. But one thing I do know about running is that when you do run, because I have some friends that run, 
they like to wear as little as possible to have the least amount of resistance as possible so that you can have shorts that, and these aerodynamic glasses. And, and they're they removing everything that hinders them from running as fast as possible so they can get a better run time and win the race. Right? Y'all seen, seen that? It's, it's, it's cool, you know, for, for them. Um, another example, if you see someone trying to win a race with a 45-pound weight above their head, what's your first thought? You're an idiot. Or you're a crossfitter. The, the lines are blurry. I know. Sorry. Sorry, guys. You, you'd scream. Listen, what you would do, you would scream. You'd be like, if you want to win, drop the weight, right? Drop that weight if you want to get to the finish line because you're not going to get there with the way that you're doing things right now. You're holding on. You're, what you're holding on to is holding you back from getting to the place you're trying to get to. And this is exactly what the Hebrews writer is saying. Throw off everything and anything that hinders you from running as fast as you possibly can towards the Savior Jesus. Everything. And, the, and this sounds perfectly logical until you realize this is completely different than how we're taught in church sometimes. Like we're taught in church to think that running after Jesus means simply avoiding sin. And y'all are like, yeah, that's right, Michael. No, that's wrong, Michael. Like, that is not what it's about. It's not about avoiding sin. In a sense, we're taught that the, the holiest Christians over here aren't the ones who do great things for the Lord and, and do, go on mission trips and, and change the world, but the holiest Christians are the ones who avoid bad. I'll tell you right now, the, the worst and the most immature question in a Christian life, I'll tell you right now, the worst thing you could ever ask, the most immature thing you can ever ask, is this a sin? Can I do this? Is this a sin? That's not the question Scripture presents us with. What the question should be, does this help me run? Does this help me run the race that I'm in? And what these, what these types of questions reveal in my mind, it consume, it's, it's, it's consuming distractions. It, it, it's consumed with distractions. If I'm asking, is this a sin? Can I do this? Can I get away with this? But it's, it means your head and your mind is consumed with distraction after distraction after distraction. And the, this kind of mentality will be like you going, I mean, I hope we have some sports fans in here. I hear there's a game tonight, but, um, but if you're like me, you're trying to win a basketball game by not fouling or, or trying to win a baseball game while trying not to hit any foul balls. That's what it's like. That's that kind of mentality. And that's not how it works at all. That's not how, that's not how you win. I, 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 didn't, I didn't hit any foul balls, coach. Well, great. You're not starting next game. You know, listen, our, our attitude shouldn't be how many sins can I avoid? But, how, but, but rather, how many weights can I lay aside so I can run as fast as possible towards Jesus? What in my life is holding me back? What if this means there's things in your life that are hindering you that aren't necessarily sin? Yet, but, a big, huge but, yet, you still need to get rid of them because they're distracting you from your purpose and your calling from which God has called you from the day of your birth. And let me tell you what your calling is. To spread God's glory to the ends of the earth. Genesis 1.28, Acts 1.8. To bear his image faithfully. And my favorite, make disciples. And I can tell you scripturally sound teaching right now, if you're not making disciples or being disciples, you're not in the will of God. Scripturally. The music you listen to might not be filled with immoral things, but does it help you focus on Jesus? You may avoid watching shows with nudity and terrible language, but what does it say about your desire for Christ when you spend more time in front of a TV than you do in front of your Bible? And it's not all 
a sin. It's not at all a sin to use the money that God's blessed you with to buy houses and cars and boats. That's not, it's not a sin. But it is purchasing those, if those things are, if you're purchasing those things, it's hindering your walk with God because it's making you desire things of this world more than Christ, and it is a sin. And I've learned this the hard way. Like social media, another great example. Social media, it's a great thing if you use it wisely. But what about when it's the only place that you're finding approval and satisfaction in here this morning? So you may be carrying something that's not necessarily bad in here this morning, but, but it's not God's best. And you need to throw it off and you need to run, fix your focus on him. And I, help, I used to help, or I still do, I haven't quit yet. I helped coach a, a little league baseball team in the summertime. And one thing we always have to tell the boys when they're, when they're scared of the ball or they, they run away from it or they, they, you know, they close their eyes and they swing at it, you know, I'm, I'm scared, maybe I'll hit it. You know, we say you can't hit what you can't see. Like if you can't see the ball coming through the strike zone, you can't hit it. You might, you might, blind squirrel finds a nut. You know, you might hit it every once in a while. And that's one thing that makes all the difference in, in your life, too, is where your eyes are focused. Where your eyes are focused. And they, they can't be, and this is funny, I actually was writing, I, was, I tried to do it. You can't focus in two places at one time. It hurts. Some of you guys are trying it right now. Your eyes can't focus in two different places I don't, and, and be focused and zoned in on that one thing. And fixing your eyes and your attention on Jesus, focusing on his beauty and allowing the gospel to come alive in you to make, to make much of him is what it's about. And the most encouraging thing I can tell you right now this morning in this race that we're running is it's never going to be about how fast you run, but it's going to be about always about where your eyes are focused. Because there's people in this room who are running at different paces. But was, you need to be running consistently towards Jesus. Elizabeth Elliot, she's a, she was the wife to one of the most famous missionaries of all time, Jim Elliot. Incredible story. Go check his story out. She said, the secret of enduring in Christ is Christ in me, not me in a different set of situ- situations or circumstances. And so Christ in me is what, it, what the hope of glory looks like to the world. And this leads me to my last um, way that we can be indistractable in this life and in our walks with Jesus. And number three is, is live with intention. Live with intention. I mean, one of my favorite scriptures in, in, in the Bible is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And this is Paul talking. And Paul is, 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 he fires me up with, with scriptures like this. And it says this, it says, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes through strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And what I've learned this week, somebody told me that was a little bit smarter than me, a lot smarter than me, and was a little bit older than me, wiser. And, I, and he came to me and asked me, he's like, what, how are you doing, Michael? I said, I'm tired, man. It's been a long week. And he says, only be moved by that to me. I was like, okay. He's basically, he was saying, don't speak that out. He says, only be moved by the word. Let the word move you. As you're reading scripture, let it move you. What Paul is saying is everything I do, everything I do, Corinthian church, I do it with intention. I do it with intention. Remember our point from one week ago, or two weeks ago, from week one. If you don't have an intentional strategy or a battle plan when it comes to following Jesus, you won't make it. If you don't have an intentional strategy 
or a battle plan when it comes to following Jesus, guys, you're not going to make it. Because guess what? You're always going to be that guy or that girl that needs to, what, do better. I need to do better, man. I need to read the Bible better. I need to love my wife or my husband better. I need to do this better or that better. You know, no one ever accidentally follows Jesus, okay? No one ever says, oh, I'm following Jesus. That's awesome. No, no one ever accidentally falls into that trend. I'm here. No one ever accidentally makes a disciple. Disciples are made intentionally. Following Jesus is intentional. No one ever accidentally comes into the presence of God and is changed. It's an intentional walk, an intentional mindset, and we have to be ready. If we aren't preparing ourselves for the battle, if we're not seeking God through his word, then we're an easy target for the distractions that we're talking about this morning. And listen, I've had the opportunity, I've had a, uh, been blessed to, to be able to travel to Africa a few times in my life, and I've had a chance to see lions up close and personal. That was like one of my bucket list things. I want to see some lions, man. It'd be great. It'd be cool. So we go in, we go in with these guys here. They're Maasai warriors. They're jokers. That, you know, they got the, all that. So I'm in the back of a truck. And they pull up, you know, we pull up, and we're riding, and I'm like, we can, tomorrow, next day, we're going to see these lions, bro. And so we're walking, we're seeing giraffes, beautiful. I'm standing in the back of a Toyota Tundra, and all of a sudden, he points, and like, literally from me to the front row, there's like three lions. I'm like, we need to like keep going, like keep riding. So like, I've seen too much National Geographic to understand what I'm, what's about to happen to me, okay? And, I, and I've had the opportunity to do that, and I love it, but these guys were, these lions were apex predators, man. They had, like, blood on their face. They're, they are at the top of their food chain. And the only thing I think about was not dying, but the second thing I thought about was 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, which says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your, de- your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. It says he's prowling. And I looked up some images of lions prowling. Like, you can't see them. Like, they're, they're in the grass. They're like, they're, they're, I mean, they're low to the ground. They're, they're trying to be undetected. And they're seeking, they're seeking animals that are weak. Who's, and, they're seeking, and, and, the, and the enemy's seeking people who are, who are willing to compromise, who's willing to say no to God, who's willing to say, when I'm older, or when I know more about the Bible, I'll make disciples, or when I'm comfortable, I'll raise my hand about Scripture, or closer to God, I'll be a connect group leader, or I'll get baptized when I feel ready, or when I'm comfortable, I'll raise my hand in church to receive salvation whenever I know more about what's happening, I know more about Scripture, and I don't look so crazy. But have you, any of you ever noticed that we never get around to those things once we put it off? For the first time. And I saw a quote a couple weeks ago that speaks directly into this. It says, Satan devotes 168 hours a week trying to deceive you. 168 hours a week trying to deceive you. And do you think you can maintain a renewed mind with a 10-minute glance at God's word once a day? Nope. Can't do it. Hear this today if you hear nothing else. Don't be deceived into thinking that Satan gets distracted when he tries to destroy you. Because he don't. He's focused on his mission. The enemy is laser focused on making sure you aren't effective for kingdom things. Take you out of the fight. Which leads me to a very scary point. If it's been a while since you've had a head-on collision with Satan, it's probably because you're going in the same direction that he is. And you may not even be in the game. One of my favorite missionary authors, C.T. Studd, said, I pray when I die, all of hell will rejoice that I'm no longer in the fight. And I pray that's what this church is about. I pray that when one of us dies, that, that what distractions do is they pull your life, not just your mind, your life off track of where God's leading you. Pulls you to the left, pulls you to the right. Deception happens 
when you've gone off track in the belief that anything in this life, anything in this world is better than Jesus, and anything else other than his way is sufficient. And if that's you today, get your mind focused on eternal things, please. And stop worrying about how much money you have in the bank or what people are saying about you on social media or whether you add up in an area of life or, or this or that. We, we have to be intentionally following our Father, seeking His all in Jesus. Things are, what, what, what we're doing has a time limit on it, guys. Everything we do has a time limit on it. And we've looked at John 10, 10 the last two weeks. And there's a word in there that keeps popping out to me as I read it. And it's probably the most important word in that verse. John 10, 10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give them, let them have life and have it to the full. Listen, the enemy wants to steal what God has freely given you. He wants to kill what God's put in you to get out of you. And he wants to destroy what God wants to do through you because he hates you because you've been made in the image of Almighty God. He's, he can wait. Listen, Satan is an eternal being. He's not bound by time. He's, he can wait you out. So if you're white-knuckling your sin, you better go out and let it go because he can outweigh, he can outweigh you. He's eternal. The Bible consistently calls Satan the, the God of this world. So we're, in a, we're, in, we're on the battlefield every single day. But the Bible also says, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus and Spirit himself is living inside of you. And it also says no weapon formed against you will stand. But this will never happen if we're going along with every distraction that comes our way. If we're going to the left and the right, we're just kind of like flailing around in life. Maybe I'll find Jesus somewhere. Maybe he's over here. Maybe he's over there. Maybe he's at this Bible study. I didn't like this Bible study. It didn't make me feel good. Let me go to this Bible study. Like wherever we're at, being distracted and pulled in different ways. Are you impulsive today? Are you, are you easily distracted today? Watch out. Watch out. These scriptures that we've been reading today, they, they were written to encourage people who were in the fight, who were following Christ who are going after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So get in the battle. So as you live, as, as we begin to understand what this church is, what the Big C Church is, that it's not about some religious building that we come and meet at, but it's a body of believers that are a part of the mission of God, letting God change your focus and your perspective, knowing the Word, throwing off everything that hinders, living with intention. Those things are what it's about, and that is how we live an undistracted life. That is how we live a life on mission. And before we finish, as we're closing here, I want to go back to Matthew 4 for a second and point out something pretty specific in how Satan distracts our hearts away from the mission of God. When Jesus responds to Satan's attacks, we've already established that Jesus uses the word. We know that. We knew that in Bible school. He, he uses God's word to fight with. But there's something specific about the Word of God that Jesus recalls each time, something that undergirds every verse he quotes, something so powerful, not even Satan can refute it. Not even Satan can do anything. He has to run. This is it. Jesus' identity in God's eyes. His identity in God's eyes. Satan says before the temptation, if you are, 
If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are saved, if you are loved by God, and everything Jesus quotes ultimately goes back to the security that he already possesses and who he is in God's eyes. And people think, listen, this is, this is where it gets funny. People think Satan's main strategies are like weird stuff. Now in the wilderness, show people levitating and people foaming at the mouth, stuff like that, you know. Like, but Satan went now in the wilderness showing Jesus pornography and trying to get him to smoke crack. That's not what he was doing. He was out there trying to get him to question God's presence and plan in his life. That's where he was trying to get him off, making him doubt the goodness of God towards him. And that's what he wants to do because the distractions in your life are meant to get you so far from God that you turn around and say, where am I at? That God must not love me. That's where he wants you at this morning. And this is your main temptation, the root of all temptation, to establish your identity on something other than God's declaration over you in Christ. Hear that this morning. That's the root of every, every distraction to get your eyes off of Jesus, to find your identity in anything other than Christ, to allow strongholds, thoughts, relationships to form. Satan always wants to base your identity off of how you live. You're good, God must approve of you, right? You're struggling with this or this sin, you're here. God's withholding a verdict on you until he sees you can do better. Do better, do better, that's religion. Or he wants you to base what you believe about the love of God on your circumstances. And there's no way God can love you and, and these things will be happening at the same time, right? God doesn't love you. You're going through this. You're going, you're homeless. You're, you're struggling with your marriage. You're struggling with the finances. You're struggling with finding food for the home. But we need to understand that God's love is not based on your performance. Nothing you can do can earn it. Nothing you can do can take it away. That's what you need to hear this morning. Listen, the reason why is because the same God that made a way through Jesus is making a way for you to walk out of your sin, and there's no condition on that promise. Jesus, God's own son, came to earth as a substitute, as himself, to, to, which secures your place before the Father because he paid your sin debt entirely, and it assures you of God's steadfast love for you. And if he would go through all of this for you, can't you trust him with that? Can't you trust in that constant, present Father in your life? And this is what shatters the power of Satan, guys, the gospel. The, there's no power. Satan can do nothing. The, the gospel has completely destroyed the power of Satan in darkness. Anything that's in your life right now is allowed by you. And Satan will do anything to take your eyes off Christ because he knows that once he does, he can shake the foundation of everything about you which makes you really vulnerable to sin and an easy target. And men, men, men in this room, don't forget. I know our culture says otherwise, but you're the gateway to your house. You're the gateway to your home. Fight against distraction for nothing else other than your families. Because what you allow in your home, how well you've lived. Or and he'll try to get you to base your identity on how, how well you've lived. Or you're not good because... That's what, look at what you've done, man. Look at what you've done. If I was living that way, I would not be right here. I wouldn't even be in church. Let me shoot you straight right here, man. Like, yes, all of you in this room have sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned, and we have corruption in our lives. But if you surrendered your life to Christ, God has made you into a new creation. The old is gone. The new is coming is what it says separating you from your sin as far as the east is from the west is what scripture says promising to make all things new in your life this morning if that's you if you've never walked into a relationship with jesus and it's never looked quite like that 
it's never looked quite like scripture that we just read this morning looks, you have a decision to make. And I'm going to tell you what, the decision can be now or it can be when you meet Jesus face to face, but I hope you make it now because we always say that everyone in this room will bow before Jesus, either now or in eternity. And so this morning, our prayer teams will come forward. And, and if you need prayer for anything, we're going to sing one more song together. If you need prayer for anything, if you need to receive salvation, we're going to have a second right now and say, I just want you to be bold about it. But if you feel comfortable with that, then come forward and talk with one of these guys that you feel comfortable with. Um, and so I just, I just want to present this to you um, one time before I leave. Um, you know, if you've been walking this life and you've been doing life without Christ, if you don't understand what the gospel is, and today you may have gotten it for the first time or your heart's beating a thousand miles an hour, it's probably you. So if that's you, if you want to walk into a relationship with Jesus, you know you need Jesus today. I just want to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray with you. We can walk with you in that step. Is that anybody here today? That's what, that's what they want to buy. Awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome. Is anybody else? It's the best decision of your life, I promise. All right, well, so let's let's pray, and then uh, we will uh, go into a time um, of just reflection. Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you're going to do. God, we pray that you would just be glorified in all we do here in this place. God, I thank you for two brothers that have just walked into the kingdom. I thank you for, for forgiving their sins, God, for thinking of, them on the, thinking of them on the day, God, that you were crucified. God, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the love that you show us. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name I pray.